It's now time for our Bible reading. If you take up your Bibles, it's on page 1170. And we're reading Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 to 20. That's Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 to 20, on page 1170. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would, would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Good evening. Vic, thank you so much for reading our passage. Let me, let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we do thank you so much for your word. Father, we pray that you'd help us to see... Uh, the relevance of this letter for us today. Thank you that every single verse in the Bible is um, valuable and important for us today. So we pray that your spirit be at work in us. Help us to receive your word. And we pray that your spirit be speaking through me as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been duped by someone? Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever been so deceived that when you think back to it, you think to yourself, how on earth did I ever fall for that? In tonight's passage, Paul tells the Galatians that they have had the wool completely pulled over their eyes by a group of false teachers known as the Judaizers. This group was trying to get the Galatians to become more Jewish. Now, 
this isn't the first time in the letter that we're going to see Paul express his shock at the church. So back in chapter 1, verse 6, he'd said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, he said, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And then we see Paul's shock in our passage tonight. At the end of chapter 4, verse 20, he says, I am perplexed about you. The Galatians have been hoodwinked. In tonight's passage, we really get to see the extent to which this has happened. As we look at at our verses, we're going to see some, some, not all, of the classic moves that false teachers like to play. And I hope it'll help us to be alert as to how people might try to, try to deceive us today and draw us away from the gospel of Christ. Because here's the thing, if, if the Galatians could be deceived, then so can we. At some point in the past, the Galatian church must have been a relatively healthy one. Or why, why else would we see Paul respond with such incredulity? So how do we spot a false teacher? Here's something some of them tend to do. False teachers entice you to become religious. Now I say that some, here's what some of them tend to do, because other false teachers can uh, entice you to become uh, licentious. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians, there's rampant sin going on. So that's the issue of the Corinthian church. But in the, in the Galatian church, the issue is not um, you know, licentiousness. It's not license. The issue is legalism. So have a look with me at verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now... That you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. How do we see that the Galatians have become religious? So Paul says that they're observing special days and months and seasons and years. In other words, they're observing the holy days of the Jewish calendar. So they're celebrating things like the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Booths, the Year of Jubilee, and the Sabbath day. But here's the thing. Those things are all Jewish. And the Galatians are not Jews. Furthermore, and this is really important, those holy days were part of the old covenant which Jesus has now fulfilled. Now that we're under a new covenant, we're not to live according to the old one. 
Rather, in the new one, we, we live by faith, trusting in Jesus. Not by doing outwardly religious stuff like celebrating the Feast of Booths or the Year of Jubilee. You see, Paul himself, who was a Jew, was no longer doing these things. I think that's why he says there in verse 12, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. Well, before you started going all Jewish. You see, Paul says here that by trying to be Jewish, the Galatians are in fact turning to, to weak and miserable forces, or as the footnote says, principles. We saw this idea last week in verse 3, the elementary principles of the world. What on earth are they? So they stand for the, the religious practices that are elementary or basic. So many religions have their calendars pegged to the lunar cycle. So when they celebrate their holy days, depends on, for example, when there's a full moon or a new moon. So the lunar cycle determines when the holy dates will be and when, for example, people are to offer their sacrifices. This is exactly what the Galatian Christians would have been used to when they were pagans, before they became Christians. And here's what they don't seem to realize. By trying to become more Jewish, they're actually becoming more like who they were before their conversion to Christ. They're returning to elementary principles. And that's because Judaism, like many other religions, bases, bases its calendar on the lunar cycle. The Galatians have been duped by the false teachers into thinking that by becoming more Jewish, they're making spiritual progress. But Paul says the opposite is true. Instead of making spiritual progress, they're going into spiritual regress. The Galatians, instead of simply relying on Christ, trusting in Him, are starting to think that by observing the law, they can earn brownie points with God. You see, how they're living suggests that they're not entirely sure anymore that the way that they are made right before God is by faith. They're thinking that the law might help them. And here's the thing. Even if they think that faith is what is primarily needed in this spiritual race, they're hoping that a bit of law obeying might help them to just get over the line. And here's why that is so dangerous. Verse 9. In verse 9, Paul says that the path they are taking will enslave them. What's the difference between faith and obeying the law? Faith 
He's simply trusting in Christ's finished work on the cross. But obeying the law, that's, that's trusting that your works contribute in some way to your salvation. And here's the problem. How do you know if you've ever done enough? You can always do more, right? You can always obey some more. And the trouble is, if you go down the obeying the law path, then as Paul said earlier in chapter 3, verse 11, quoting the book of Deuteronomy, he said, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. What is Paul saying? Look, if you want to obey the law, then you need to go all in. But here's the issue. You'll never be able to fully obey the law. Which is why the law will crush you if you try to. It will enslave you. It will always demand more of you. And you will never be able to fully satisfy its demands. Friends, that's something only Christ can do. Only Jesus can and indeed has perfectly obeyed the law. This is why faith is so liberating. Faith in Christ is freeing because you can know that you're righteous, not because of what you do, but because of what Christ has done for you. Because righteousness is by faith, not by the law. If you have faith in Jesus, your salvation is rock solid. Your, your salvation doesn't depend on how well you can keep the law. Your salvation depends on whether you're trusting in the one who was able to perfectly keep it. Friends, it's a marvelous thing that righteousness is through faith and not by obeying the law. This is why Paul is flabbergasted that the Galatians would want to go back to the law. But that's the effect that the false teachers or having on that. You see, false teachers sometimes entice you to become more religious. Not only that, they also often cause you to distrust true gospel teachers. That's our second point. How are the false teachers going to consolidate their gains? So we know that they've made some good headway with the Galatians, who are now wanting to live according to the Mosaic law. Here's how they're going to keep a stronghold on the Galatians, by discrediting Paul. Now, we can infer that they've been doing this because, because of some of the things that, they, that Paul has said earlier in the letter. So you might remember early in the letter, chapters 1 and Chapters 1 and 2, 
Paul felt the need to, to reestablish, reestablish his credentials by telling the Galatians that one, his gospel was given to him by Jesus, and two, that his gospel is the same as the one proclaimed by the other apostles. Why did he have to do that? The false teachers were probably going around saying that Paul was a phony and that his gospel wasn't legit. You see, they, they wanted to undermine the gospel message by undermining the gospel messenger. And sadly, so far, their strategy seems to be working. Did you notice how the Galatians used to be fond of Paul? So have a look at verse 13. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you didn't treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. How much affection did the Galatians formerly have for Paul? First, we see that they'd welcomed him as though he were an angel of God, as though he were Jesus, even. Now, to be clear, this doesn't mean that they were worshiping Paul. Rather, it means that they they treasured him for the message that he'd brought them. Angels were messengers. So in a sense, Paul was like an angel. And the message that he brought was the message of Jesus. See, that's why they were so excited in the past about having Paul with them. Notice how else we see their former affection for him. Paul says that they would have given him their eyes. What on earth is that about? So in, this, in these verses, um, Paul talks about an illness that he'd had while he was in Galatia. I think it's likely that the illness he had was some sort of eye condition. So th- that would explain why uh, Paul says that the Galatians would have been willing to give him their eyeballs. It just makes very little sense otherwise. Now, think of how many people you would be willing to give a part of your body to, a really important part of your body to, like your eyes. You'd only do that for someone you really, really, really loved. So if your child had a devastating eye condition, if it were technically possible for you to give them your eyes so as to help them, maybe you'd do it. When you really love someone, you, you are willing to make big, big sacrifices for them. And that had been the case for the Galatians 
towards Paul. But oh, how things have changed. In verse 15, Paul says, where is your blessing of me now? And then in verse 16, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul is now being treated as a foe. The Galatians are now ghosting Paul. If, if they were living today, they'd probably be unfriending him on Facebook, unfollowing him on Twitter, and, and trying to block him on WhatsApp. And Paul's thinking, what on earth, guys? We used to be friends. You guys, you guys actually used to like me, like really like me. What's happened? Oh, of course. The false teachers have been filling your head with stuff. Now, when, when Paul seeks to, to speak to them about the gospel, there, there just seems to be this massive barrier. They're less open to him now. And that's because they think that, that they know better now that they've heard a, a fuller message, a fuller gospel from the Judaizers. Of course, what they fail to realize is Paul's gospel is the only gospel. His gospel is the apostolic gospel that comes from Jesus. It's, it's the false teacher's message that is deficient and, and even destructive. Here's why false teachers can be so dangerous. Not only do they peddle a distorted message, that they also try to turn Christians away from true gospel teachers so as to cut off their access to, to the only true gospel, the one that actually saves. We've seen that false teachers might entice you to religion and that they can cause you to distrust true gospel teachers. Finally, we see that they like to flatter people to win them over. Have a look at me at verse 17. Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. This is how the ESV translates this verse. I think it's, it's a bit easier. They make much of you that you may make much of them. They make much of you that you may make much of them. The, the, the false teachers, they're begging the Galatians up. I'd imagine they're saying things like, wow, you Galatians, you are so godly. Just look at how you love the Mosaic law and are seeking to live according to it, just as we've taught you. You guys, you guys are the real deal. And this is giving the Galatians the warm fuzzies. They're thinking, yeah, yeah, look at us. We've made so much progress as Christians. Not only are we trusting in Jesus, but we're also following the law. They're loving the attention that they're getting from the false teachers. We all love it when people give us a bit of attention, don't we? 
the false teachers are turning up the charm. And the Galatians are falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. So Paul's warning, so Paul's warning them. Look, guys, they're flattering you because they care about themselves, not because they care about you. They're flattering you so that they might gain your affection and loyalty. Watch out. Now contrast that with Paul. Paul isn't seeking to to flatter them, is he? Rather, as we saw in verse 16, he is committed to speaking the truth to them, even, even if they don't like it. Why? Because he loves them. When, when you genuinely love and care about someone, you don't flatter them, do you? You only flatter someone because you think that you will benefit from it. You, maybe you think that your flattery will get you in this person's good books. Flattery is so self-serving. But Paul, he's willing to call out and confront the Galatians. And I think the reason why we can see it there in verse 19 and how he addresses them. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. The love that, that Paul has for the Galatians is akin to the love that a parent has for their child. This is why Paul is in such agony over their spirit, the spiritual path that they're taking. Just, as a, just as, a, as a parent will lovingly confront their child when their child makes foolish choices that will harm them, Paul does the same for the Galatians. You see, he loves them too much to stay silent and just see them harm themselves. Friends, true gospel teachers will lovingly confront you when necessary. But false teachers, they tend to flatter. The Galatians have been sucked in by the false teachers, and Paul, he's warning them to turn away, to turn away from them before it's too late. Now, how do we apply these verses uh, to us today? I think we need to be discerning of people who, who might try to, to draw us towards religion, who might encourage us towards legalistic behavior. So things like, and it can be subtle, but things like, you must pray this many hours a day, or you must read this many Bible chapters a day. Praying and reading your Bible is obviously extremely good for you. Friends, it would be wise to do those things. But when people become overly prescriptive about them, that's when you need to be careful. A few years ago, I met a guy outside 
um, outside of church after the service. And he was waiting there to, to pounce on people as they came out of the building. It wasn't this church. It was before I moved to Bansett. And we ended up chatting, and uh, he told me to come to his church because they took God's word really seriously. Now, the church that I was, I was at did as well. Uh, but he told me to stop going to my church because my church was, a, was preaching a compromised gospel. It wasn't. But here's the thing. Here's what I remember about this guy. Uh, I remember just him being very legalistic. And I remember him clearly wanting to cut me off from the gospel teaching that I was receiving. So he wanted me to leave my church and go to his. Yet bizarrely, this guy was incredibly charming. As I prepared this message, it was hard not to, not to think of him. You see, false teachers, they will sometimes draw us towards re- religion or legalism and try to cut, off, cut us off from the gospel. I want to close by reading um, chapter 1, verse 6 again. So Paul says there, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You might think that's a bit of an odd verse to, to close on, but This is what I want us to spot there. What have Christians been called to? We've been called to live in the grace of Christ. Who has called you to live in the grace of Christ? God has. That's what God has called you, to live in the grace of Christ, not in the law, not in trying to do stuff, in trying to prove your worth to him. God has called you to live in the grace of Jesus. Friends, praise God for his immense grace. Praise God for the freedom that we have in Christ. We have so much freedom in Jesus. And it's a joy to live for him, to live by faith and not by the law. Let's not be so foolish so as to return, as so as to turn to religion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you call us to live in the grace of your Son. Father, help us to just treasure what a wonderful privilege that is. And forgive us for ever being tempted or drawn towards religion or legalism or works. Father, we do pray that you would cause us this week to to just enjoy your grace and to to grow in our love for you, for the fact that you have called us to live in this way, to live in the grace of your Son. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. Sorry, uh, we're now going to sing our next song.